This episode is brought to you by Kairos Government Affairs. Kairos develops strategic opportunities and solutions for reaching your policy goals in North Carolina. By leveraging trusted relationships with key policymakers and providing expert political analysis, Kairos is the premier team entrusted with moving some of the most important legislation through the General Assembly. To learn more, visit KGANC.com. Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, brought to you by North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. I'm your host, Ben Stockdale. We have got an awesome episode lineup for you today. I'm sitting down with President and CEO of Conservatives for Clean Energy, Mark Fleming, to explore the conservative perspective on clean energy. We'll be talking CCE's recent polling data, dispelling myths about who supports clean energy, and predicting the future of conservative politics in relation to clean energy. But first, let's start with our policy update. We'll jump right into public bills on second reading. Senate Bill 377. We're starting our policy update with some good news. Senate Bill 377, a.k.a. Senator Harry Brown's wind ban, would have completely banned all new wind projects in either wholly or in part 66 of North Carolina's 100 counties. As a result of negotiations among legislators in the House and Senate, NCSEA's lobbying team, and North Carolina's wind developers, the complete and permanent ban was reduced to a three-year moratorium, which was an improvement, but wait, it gets better. After continued negotiations, the three-year moratorium was completely removed from the legislation, so no wind ban, no moratorium, and the bill now simply has minor changes to the wind energy permitting process that creates a designee to speak on behalf of a military base during a wind energy permitting process. Our intel indicates to us that we don't expect this bill to go anywhere. Here's some more good news. House Bill 329, as it was originally written, allowed the retail resale of electricity for electric vehicle charging stations. Currently, EV charging stations can only be paid based on time of use, which really doesn't make sense because, for example, a Nissan Leaf sucks up electricity at a different rate than a Chevy Volt or a Tesla. Now, in the last few weeks, the bill has evolved into an omnibus clean energy bill and now includes a stakeholder process to establish protocol for the decommissioning of wind energy and utility-scale solar projects, and allows small hydroelectric producers to receive capacity payments regardless of the utility's need. The bill passed the Senate unanimously, and we expect Governor Cooper to sign the bill into law soon. Lastly, the major piece of legislation that NCSEA is tracking is Senate Bill 559, which, if you'll remember, includes securitization and multi-year rate plans. Securitization is a financial mechanism that allows the utility to recoup money on uneconomic assets by issuing ratepayer-backed bonds on the open market. Securitization is a handy mechanism, but unfortunately in this bill, it's limited only to storm damage assets, when it could be used to decommission uneconomic coal plants, which happens to be most of Duke's coal fleet. 
But the real issue in this bill is the multi-year rate plans, the same multi-year rate plans that allowed the utility in Virginia to over-earn more than a billion dollars from ratepayers. Basically, instead of Duke having to come to the Utilities Commission every time they want to raise rates, this would allow them to have one rate case with authorized rate increases for three years into the future. To be fair, the original five-year rate plans have been reduced to three years, but this really doesn't do anything to address the lack of ratepayer protections and the increased profits for shareholders that this bill would create. Here's what Representative Greg Meyer, a Democrat from Orange and Caswell counties, had to say about his vote in House Finance on Senate Bill 559. Well, this bill gives Duke the ability to raise rates on their own schedule rather than going through the Public Utilities Commission. It's clearly to the advantage of the corporation over the ratepayers, and I think we need to try to do everything we can to keep rates low and, and protect people who are paying out of their back pocket every month. Are you concerned about the lack of performance-based regulation in this bill? Yes. I mean, the, the, the bill gives Duke more latitude than it has ever had in history on ability to set its own rates with no standards at all around what, they ha what we should expect uh, out of a regulated utility when they get to raise their rates. Senate Bill 559 passed House Energy and Public Utilities and is sitting in House rules. NCSEA is still very much opposed to this legislation and is working to communicate its negative effects to legislators. There are more pieces of legislation that NCSEA is tracking, so to see our full weekly policy update, which includes full coverage of the budget negotiations, you can become an NCSEA business member by visiting us online at energync.org. Clean energy. Clean, clean, clean energy. Our guest today currently serves as president and CEO of Conservatives for Clean Energy, a Raleigh NC-based organization that works to educate opinion leaders on the benefits of clean energy initiatives. Previously, he served as district director for Congressman Patrick McHenry, overseeing district operations in a seven-county district in Western North Carolina. He has an impressive record of leadership in business, government, and political sectors. During his extensive career, he has served as vice president of NC Free and executive director of the Wake Forest North Carolina Chamber of Commerce. He has served on the board of regents for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce's Institute for Organizational Management and has served on the board of directors for both the Carolinas Association of Chamber of Commerce Executives and the Association Executives of North Carolina. We are so happy to have him on the show today. So friends of the pod, let's give a squeaky clean welcome to today's guest, Mark Fleming. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ben. It's a pleasure to be on and, and looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, this is a show that we've really thought about a while. We wanted to get this perspective on the show. We think it's particularly important right now with the legislative session going on. So we're happy to have you and let's go ahead and get this conversation started. All right. Mark, can you tell us a little bit about Conservatives for Clean Energy? Absolutely. Um, Conservatives for Clean Energy was founded uh, back in 2014. We were founded as a North Carolina-based organization to work on um, educating center-right policymakers and uh, opinion leaders on clean energy issues. Um, at, at, through that, uh, we grew the organization from a one-state organization to a two-state organization when we launched our Virginia program in 2017. Uh, both of those states were very successful for us, so now we have launched organizations in both South Carolina and Georgia 
They launched uh, earlier this year in March, and then we'll be launching um, a Florida organization later in the year with other states to come. So we're really excited, uh, but it all started right here in North Carolina. Um, so it is a pleasure to be on today um, w- with you, and, and we all really appreciate uh, NCSEA and, and what your organization has meant and the um, vision you all had for clean energy in this state years ago. And uh, so it's, it's a pleasure to be, be on with you today and, and to, uh, to work with you all. Awesome. You know, it's a symbiotic relationship. We all want to advance the clean energy economy. There are many different ways to do it. And we really value the conservative perspective. It's one that is pushing the state forward. And it's one that is integral to the advancement of the clean energy economy. So you have renewable energy, clean energy, advanced energy. There are a lot of different terms that are circulated when you're talking about the clean energy economy. How does conservatives for clean energy define clean energy? You know, we, we really focus on the cleanest of the clean. Uh, we do not um, work against any form of energy. We work for clean energy, and that's in our name, Conservatives for Clean Energy. We found when we started this organization five years ago that conservatives wanted something to be for in the energy policy conversation. And so when we talk about clean energy, we're talking about solar, wind, energy efficiency, uh, waste to energy, electric vehicles, all of those, you know, conversations are, are in our bailiwick, if you will, as, as conservatives for clean energy. But we are, um, you know, really dedicated, and our mission is to be for things rather than against uh, any form of energy. You're working in North Carolina. You're working in other states in the southeast. What are some of the major trends that you're seeing happening right now? I'm seeing, you know, it's far different than when we launched this five years ago. Uh, Much more openness uh, from uh, on the conservative side to clean energy, supporting clean energy. Uh, We've seen it in states like Virginia. We've seen it. We're seeing it in Georgia right now with their public service commission, an all Republican uh, PSC in Georgia, really leading the charge on clean energy in that state. Wow. Uh, We saw it in South Carolina with the passage of the Energy Freedom Act, which raised their, or excuse me, eliminated their net metering cap and uh, is going to mean a a lot for rooftop solar and for consumer choice in South Carolina. So, you know, each of our states, you know, they're all regulated monopoly utility states, but in each of those states, the policy um, advances are a little different, but but still we're seeing that and we're seeing a greater, uh, and the technology is changing as the price of wind and solar has dropped um, significantly over the last just two or three years, um, we're seeing more and more uh, that it becomes not an environmental conversation, but a cost and an economic decision to move into some of these clean energy options. So I think the future looks bright. Uh, the opportunities in the Southeast, you look at a state like Florida, uh, the Sunshine State, you know, what an, what an opportunity to really build on clean energy in a state like that. And we're seeing that all throughout the Southeast. We at NCSEA know that conservatives like clean energy, but we also know that many people really do assume that only one group or party supports clean energy. So is clean energy a partisan issue? You know, I think 10 years ago it was. Um, Back in, you know, maybe the early days of the Obama administration, I think that it became that. Um, But the last few years, we've seen um, great strides in, in support really throughout the 
across the board due, again, to the, the cost-competitive nature of these clean energy technologies that, frankly, didn't exist 10 years ago. You know, 10 years ago, if you were a clean energy supporter, you were driven largely by the, um, the environmental message. You were driven because you wanted to do something that positively impacted the environment. What we've seen in the last few years is it's not environmental, it's economic, and it's driven by those factors. And so, you know, I think that's, that's why you've seen such support on the right building. You know, a state like North Carolina, we have so many champions in our state house. Someone like, who are some Re- of the, yeah, who are some of someone those like Representative John Zoka, who has been just the go-to guy, on, go-to legislator, you know, on inter- not just clean energy, but on energy issues. Um, you know, people, in, and then in the state Senate, we have seen uh, growth. Of the, some of the newer state senators, um, their strong support for clean energy. Senator Bob Steinberg, who was served in our state House and is now in our state Senate. Senator, just, Senator Vicki Sawyer. Senator Vicki Sawyer is outstanding um, on our clean energy issues. Others, like Senator Todd Johnson, you know, we're seeing a new group in our state Senate that um, – these folks are extremely open to supporting clean energy. Now, we have to go out and make our case as clean energy supporters uh, to them, but uh, much more uh, receptive. Um, and we, we look at to our neighbor to the south, South Carolina. They just passed their Energy Freedom Act, you know, by an, a unanimous um, uh, vote in the House, State House and State Senate. Wow. And, you know, the, just great thing. That, that Energy Freedom Act is being looked at um, across the country is a model for how to do things, and it's in one of our states in the southeast, and it's led by Republicans. We have a Republican state senate, Republican state house, Republican governor that signed the bill. You know, and, and um, you look at it, it, our federal policymakers, someone like Senator Tom Tillis, who's been a strong supporter of clean energy, someone like Senator Lindsey Graham in South Carolina that's uh, been a leader on these issues. So, you know, I, I think we have conservatives now um, legitimately uh, leading that discussion and leading sort of the next phase of it, which is where do we go? Where do we go from here? Clean energy. You're, 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 li- you're listening to the squeaky, squeaky clean energy podcast. <laughs> That's really encouraging to hear. Do you do you see this as something that can bridge the gap between Republicans and Democrats? Do you think it's already doing that? Or, you know, is this something that Republicans are going to do on their own, Democrats are going to do on their own, or do we have to find that middle ground? Yeah, that's a good question, and I don't know um, what the ultimate answer will be. Um, I know that, um, you know, we all come to clean energy from a different place. And just because someone comes at it from an economic perspective does not make them an enemy of the, the person that supports some of the same policies from an environmental perspective. You know, I, I think, and again, that wasn't always the case, but with the, the cost of clean energy, um, you know, lower than ever, I think you have a, a mix of people supporting this for different reasons. And, and we've often joked, you know, there are folks that work on these issues that are pro-clean energy, who I wouldn't agree with on any other topic, any other policy topic. Uh, But on clean energy, we do, and sometimes it's for different reasons. And I think you've seen that in in states in the southeast where you have a left-right coalition 
of folks that come together and to say, look, we don't agree on much, and nor will we, but on clean energy for different reasons, sometimes for drastically different reasons, we support the same goal, and, and they're able to move legislation forward and move clean energy forward. What do you think the future holds for clean energy as it relates to conservative politics? You know, I think you'll continue to see conservatives, um, support, conservative support for clean energy grow. Uh, we're already seeing conservatives lead the charge. And, and frankly, to get anything done um, in most of our states, it has to be bipartisan. It has to be something that, um, it, you know, and again, people may come at it from a different angle for a different reason. Um, but it has to be a, a bipartisan solution to get anything done. So I think you will see conservative engagement in these clean energy issues just grow over time, regardless of an election. You know, elections come and go, and, and frankly, policymakers come and go. But I think, you know, the, the um, support on the right, on the center right for clean energy will continue to grow. In terms of clean energy, what is keeping you up at night? That's a good question. I, I think th- this larger question of the utility business model and where we go, um, you know, and this is that's no fault of the specific utilities. It is the system. So we have to look at broader um, reform, I think, that allows more choice and competition. You, know, you have a choice with cell phone, what cell phone you use. You have a choice what grocery store you, you, you shop at. You have a choice in most areas of of your life, why shouldn't you have that kind of choice when it comes to energy? And I think you will see that conversation being led by conservatives. Uh, We had a a poll in North Carolina, our 2019 poll, where we asked about uh, changing the system and, you know, to to really get rid of, of regulation and red tape and to allow competition and consumer choice. And we actually had more Republicans more self, more registered Republicans saying they supported that than registered Democrats. It was 83% for Republicans, 76% among Democrats. So I think you will see conservatives leading that conversation on the utility business model uh, because that's, you know, technology and the times will dictate that things have to change with the current uh, monopoly utility business model. You mentioned it earlier, you just alluded to it, but the recent poll that Conservatives for Clean Energy came out with, it's called Emerging Energy Issues and North Carolina Trends, and it is a great poll that really covers the gamut of the conservative perspective on clean energy, uh, relates Democrat and Republican perspectives. Can you just give us a few of those key takeaways from the poll? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is our fifth year in North Carolina doing this. So we now have five-year trend data on support among all voters. We do a 600, it's a 600 um, regist- or likely voter sample size. So we're not just um, surveying individuals. We're not just surveying registered voters. We're surveying likely voters. So these are the, the, the folks that um, decide who the policymakers are every two years in our state. And support for clean energy continues to be strong uh, across the board. Uh, We found this year in our poll um, 85% overall support for uh, a question about uh, legislators who uh, support clean energy policies like uh, solar, wind, waste to energy. We've asked that same question 
um, the same way for the last five years, and it's only grown in support through the years. And it's bipartisan. We have 81% of registered unaffiliated voters, which is the the fastest segment of the voting population in North Carolina. 81% of unaffiliated voters say they would be more likely to support a legislator or candidate who supports clean energy policy. And just as importantly, 76% of Republicans say the same thing. So three out of four registered Republicans in North Carolina tell us that they are more likely to support a legislator or candidate who supports clean energy policies like wind and solar and waste to energy. So, you know, with those kind of numbers, clearly um, this is a bipartisan. Anytime our pollster tells us anytime you're over 70, um, it's really a consensus issue. And so, you know, it is uh, and it's just grown stronger. And those numbers have held through the last five years and they've actually increased, if anything. That's great to hear that that number is growing, and it's great to hear that they're supporters of clean energy. You know, I was talking to someone from Microsoft, the head of sustainability, and she was just commenting on the fact that customers are looking for clean energy in their own supply chains, and it's a growing demand that the policymakers are going to have to keep up with. Absolutely. And again, so much of it is being driven by by business, which is the market, which as a conservative, I'm very comfortable with businesses making those decisions and, and sustainability goals and those kind of thing, uh, that kind of thing is so um, helpful and it's driving the market and it's not dictated by government, nor should it be, but it's dictated by, uh, by the market. And, and I think as a conservative, I'm extremely comfortable with that. Good. We're glad that you're comfortable with it, Mark. And we're even more glad that you joined us today on the podcast. This is a great conversation. I think we covered a lot of ground. Hopefully the listeners can really take this to heart. And if they're surprised by any of this, then hopefully they were turned around. And maybe this is just confirmation that that conservatives really are in support of clean energy. And it's just growing in that trend. So, Mark, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you very much, Ben, and and all of your listeners. Um, thank you for tuning in. And to know, find out more about us, go and visit our website at www.cleanenergyconservatives.com. That's www.cleanenergyconservatives.com. Ben, thanks for, for having me on today. You're so welcome, Mark. Thanks for being with us. And if you'd like to go follow Conservatives for Clean Energy on Twitter, you can find them at CCE underscore NC on Twitter. Mark, besides Conservatives for Clean Energy, what's the one person or group that everyone on this show needs to go follow? You know, I think there there are several good ones, but the national organization that we work with that does state-based work um, on the right is the Conservative Energy Network, CEN, the Conservative Energy Network. Great. And their Twitter handle is C-O-N-S-E-N-E-R-G-Y, net, that's cons, energy, net on Twitter. Go follow them. They're based out of Michigan. We're excited to go plug them. And Mark, thanks again for being on the show. Thank you, Ben. We want to thank this show's sponsor again, Kairos Government Affairs. If you want the premier team to develop strategic opportunities and solutions for reaching your policy goals in North Carolina, you need the team at Kairos Government Affairs. To learn more about Kairos, visit kganc.com. And there you have it, folks, the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, delivering the latest in clean energy right to your ears. 
Got questions? Shoot me an email at squeakyclean at energync.org and visit our website to fill out our survey so that we can learn more about what you want to see covered on Squeaky Clean. Stay tuned for the next episode as we take Squeaky Clean to the mountains of Asheville and talk with the campaign coordinator of the Blue Horizons Project, Sophie Molinax. Thanks again for tuning in and have a great day.